0: We want to take a second to thank you for supporting Womance by listening to our podcast. One great way that you can continue supporting us, including those listens, is hitting subscribe, telling a friend, leaving a review. That stuff all really matters.
1: Sharing it on your personal social media is another great way to spread the word about Womance. And another option for supporting us, if we may be so bold, is to recommend going to our Patreon, where you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us spread the word of Woe. If you want to contribute more than a dollar a month which obviously no pressure whatever you've
0: got we are so appreciative to have but we have awesome gifts for you if you want a hand addressed letter from morgan and isabeau maybe with some special whoa stickers other merch
1: just uh, visit our patreon we are womance on patreon or is it patreon.com forward slash womance we would be very proud to call you one of our patrons morgan dropping in here at the top of the episode to welcome you to part two of our discussion of a court of wings and ruin by sarah j moss if you haven't already might we recommend listening to part one the episode right before this one and hot tip we've also talked about a court of thorn and roses and a court of mist and fury the two books that precede this one so if you haven't heard those episodes or it's been a while check them out as well and without further ado.
0: Yeah, the violence in this text is insane. It's brutal and it's very intimate. Yeah, very much so. It's, which is also very unromantic, like very not romance novelly.
1: Yeah, very not romance novelly. It's like all of the conflict that would exist within the relationship that would make the relationship interesting is absolved, so that we can have this war. Be the central piece, but the war is not well landed. No, it's not. Can you talk to us <laughs> as someone who likes war? You enjoy war content. You like war movies and war like books. War I do like war books, uh, but television programs, mm-hmm. perhaps MASH. I don't know. Sure, I have watched all of MASH. I I have. I I tend to not be interested and in, in war. Content in general. Um, we know this because we do try to go to the movies together every once in a while. <laughs> and so as someone, I think you have this, like, background. Like, I, I can feel weird about how the war happens in this book. But I feel weird all the time already about when that happens. So, like, what makes this not work? Like, I I cannot begin to articulate. So so you have to (laughs) okay
0: so like (laughs) as a text about war itself it does a bad job for a couple of reasons uh it lays it lays out the stakes as like really really important right they're outnumbered and hibern is better equipped but each time we meet like hibern has these weapons that like nullify their powers so like they're just like mortals which would be interesting right because like what what is an army without its special powers especially if it's facing a greater force that is also like supercharged power yeah and he literally has the god pot (laughs) literally has the god yeah the god pot in the cauldron um so like that's interesting but then it's immediately undone by the antidote of this tinkerer in another court so then it's like oh we, we we fixed that and it's like well why would you introduce the problem if you're just Immediately gonna fix it. Okay. But then we still have the numbers problem. But don't worry about the numbers because we're gonna figure it out with all this like other stuff about like how we can like get these supercharged allies and like the Braxis and the Bone Carver and like these like deathless gods that are just gonna like eat people on the battlefield and that'll make up the numbers. So then it's like Well, the stakes of the war itself now have essentially been nullified and everybody's equal. So like yeah. okay. So, like, all of this time and all of this text that we spent worrying and being anxious about, like, that Hybern had all of these advantages and was just going to break upon the shore of Prithian like a tidal wave have all been washed away before we even get to, like, the first battle scene. And then in the first battle scene, there's, like... It's like a discussion of skirmishes like there's almost like a battle of the bulge part of this whole thing where it's like, you know, they're like, you know, like Hyburn's maneuvering us and like we don't know where Hyburn is and we like can't get the seer to see and like we have to do it. It's like it's two big armies on an island and half <laughs> your people fly. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just not like...
1: just we find out there's a whole other race of flying people. <laughs> who are on on our side. So like the
0: logistics of like (laughs) the magic of like hiding these armies is also just like not particularly interesting when the way that you hide an army is actually a pretty interesting thing about war texts. Like the Trojan horse, anyone? So in all of those ways, it's an utter failure. And then what you find out is that War, the charnel house, where people are just like literally cannon fodder for each other. And in this, they're cauldron fodder, right? Like, because the yeah. cauldron then essentially just works as like a laser beam that just, like obliterates people into <laughs> yeah. ashes,
1: yes, yes, they have a literal root of creation, and they use it as a laser beam,
0: yeah. And it just blows people into ash. cool. Um and so, like they they use the charnel house of war itself as a distraction for Faera to get to the cauldron to like nullify the army and then the big reveal spoiler alert is that Amrin, the deathless god we mentioned at the top has lied to Faera and everyone else and that she's gonna unyoke herself from her fey body and become her deathless god and like kill everyone and then disappear and like that's how they're going to nullify the army so then even this like whole army war thing is undone by the choices of two people which like there's there's kind of like this philosophy built in where they like that's the other thing they have like the whole scene of like the the exodus from the bible in this book like So many wars are ripped off on in this text. (laughs) Like, also the Bible.
1: Referenced.
0: (laughs) Referenced.
1: I mean, I think speaking of the ideology, like, I'm hearing all of this. All these deathless gods come in clutch and, like, basically... Kill a bunch of people. Make up the numbers, as you said. But it's because the real magic, Isabeau, the real magic is friendships.
0: The friends we make along the way, Morgan. (laughs)
1: That's like the Weaver joins in because she respects them, and the Surreal dies because he respects Pharaoh. We get a real Dobby on the beach. We do get get, Dobby on the
0: beach of the Surreal. The
1: Surreal die is actually very upsetting.
0: It was really upsetting. I was really upset.
1: I was kind of. I was kind of like so happy for the Bone Carver. Who also just like loves and respects the dickens out of Feyre. Like everyone does it because the real friendship is magic. The like basement shadow, <laughs> I can't remember its name. Yeah, the basement
0: shadow just wants a window and to hang out and like yeah. have someone talk to it
1: with Feyre. He yeah. wants friendship. Like it's so. I think we went through all of this to be like the real love story is the <laughs> it's friends. friends. Which
0: (laughs) to say, like the thing that most people, including myself, like in war stuff is the friendships, right? Like when Achilles loses Patrocles and just goes to the gates. (laughs) Friendship. I mean, like lover. (laughs) Um, but like that's why Band of Brothers is so popular. Where it's like there's this whole thing about like it isn't. It's not about the larger political discussion it's not about you know this that or the other thing it's like what we fight for is really who's standing next to you but like they did it in this this text does it in a way that feels silly
1: yeah because because like your friends are the weapons
0: yeah your friends are all like hypercharged like atomic (laughs) bombs
1: yeah and that feels like you know have like that's that's crazy I don't
0: know. So like, in in all of the ways that like, the war stuff feels like what it's least interested in
1: and what it spends the most time doing. Mm. And like, that's weird. So you feel like this does not succeed as a fantasy war novel? No, it succeeds as a fantasy romance. Continues succeeding. It do be succeeding at that.
0: Yeah, it's just like... 10 out of 10 on that one just keeps doing it. But in terms of the war itself, like, because it, it constantly introduces a really interesting stake, right? Like the fey Bane, like nullifying everybody's power, deeply interesting, immediately undone. The numbers problem that Highburn has just been, like, I don't know, amassing soldiers everywhere and that the spring Court has turned. And so, like, now we've got a real problem undone immediately. It's just like, if you're going to have a war for the continent and for humanity and, like, all of it, and just to have it undone, which made the last scene, if we can talk about that yeah, really quick, course. where like Amrin unleashes unleashes herself, unmakes herself in the cauldron. Super interesting stuff, the made and unmade stuff. I'm I'm there for. Um, and then the cauldron is broken by the unmaking of Amrin. Very interesting consequence that I did not anticipate. Super cool. And then like creation itself becomes like a cancer. It, like starts eating the world yeah and they have to like put the cauldron back together but everyone's been totally depleted in all of their magic stores and like Fayer's like I don't think I can do it and Reese shows up and he's like why don't you give it a go and she's like I don't have anything in me and he's like why don't you use me and like we'll do it together and like there's a moment where he's like laughing and I'm like Are they this is this is it? Like that's that's they're just gonna do it together and it's like the power of love is just gonna fix the world. But what was so good about that particular scene is in the laughing, I was like, oh shit.
1: The slow realization.
0: Yeah, and like that it like and like you got to realize with Pharaoh when like a little bit before like, what was happening as it was happening, where he's like, I love you. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a goodbye. But she doesn't know because she's working on the cauldron to fix it. And then he just, like, uses all of his power and pushes it into her so that she can close the cauldron. And then he dies, and she wakes up out of her trance of fixing the world, and he's dead. That was great.
1: And, like, but that's, like, the espionage, right? It's, like, duplicity. And that's what this author is significantly better at best at and this book is best at
0: yeah and resand
1: doing stuff like that is like what
0: he's also best at where it's like it's a wink it's a nod it's like you don't know exactly what it means until you do and like that's why his character like spawns its own like tumblr resurgence even though tumblr doesn't exist anymore it's like if tumblr existed (laughs) tumblr
1: does still exist and that's where you need to go if you want to read the bonus chapters
0: (laughs) okay but like that was good but then it was immediately undone right like i don't even get to be sad because like he's immediately fixed
1: in the same way pharaoh was
0: in the same way that pharaoh was which is much more like a romance novel right like you don't have to suffer very long than a fantasy novel, which will leave somebody dead for a book or more. Yeah, Amryn doesn't even stay dead. No, which I was happy about. I was happy that she was just in the cauldron.
1: But I think like it's a little bit more interesting if someone does stay dead. And then so yes. that kind of like breaks the idea that this was supposed to be just its own trilogy. Because why would you why wouldn't you just let a a fantasy novel would say you got to let. A major character be dead, if not five or six. Right, it's got to be a Weasley twin, you know. Yeah, instead of just your dad, who was two total pages,
0: <laughs> which makes it more like a romance novel for me than a fantasy novel, because fantasy novels are better at letting a sacrifice stand. Right, where it's like it would have been important that Resand ex- like expunged his own life. Mm-hmm to save the continent. That's a fantasy move. Romance move is like, he okay. You know he okay.
1: To go back to our original discussion of like what pulls you through, I think it might be that though. Like this book is willing to be fun. Yes. This book is willing to do the fun thing, the likable Mm -hmm. thing. It doesn't seem to stand on any kind of pretension. So even if you're of generic expectations (laughs) like not even for a romance not even for a fantasy it seems to be like just willing to keep what it wants and leave what it doesn't yeah what was your sexiest part um Uh (laughs) uh-oh
0: so i like i was i was really into them being a part i wanted them to be a part for longer because i loved their like little sad i miss you stuff and so I was really anticipating their come together when she got back to Valaris.
1: Santa Fe. Mm-hmm.
0: Ugh, Santa Fe. I was a little disappointed. It was kind of prosaic. So that was weird because I thought that was going to be my sexiest part. It's also weird to anticipate your sexiest part, that teaches me something <laughs> about myself. Um, so then my sexiest part was like they survive the second fake, faint battle of the bulge, piting. Flying army thing and they have sex in a tent. The
1: most controversial sex scene in the whole series.
0: Uh they're covered in blood.
1: Yeah, and I think you can like hear the battle happening continuing on. You just hear the wounded.
0: Because <laughs> the battle's over.
1: Yeah, it's just the wounded being like,
0: ah It's just the screams of the wounded.
1: My intestines! <laughs>
0: Filling out, like you can hear the blood and the amputations. And, and she's like,
1: No, you're not the only one getting your guts rearranged. Right. <laughs> yeah, because he's got a huge dick. <laughs> yeah. Solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> i like a word
0: tense sex scene like i am what i am i think
1: you would feel differently i think the graphic audio version could turn that boat around for you good thing i don't have it what was your sexiest part <sighs> my sexiest part I liked the, I think it was the scene when the early on when they got back together and they go to the library and Mm -hmm. they're having this little flirtation. Unfortunately, it does involve (laughs) the phrase vulgar gesture, but they're touching knees and stuff and like trying to be have composure and being very flirty. And then Reese just winnows away. So unfortunately, it also includes the little cosmic fart noise for winnowing. Um, but in spite of that, it remained a very sexy scene.
0: That is a sexy scene.
1: I also loved everything between Cassian and Nesta. I loved all the long glances. I loved all the... That's pretty much all that happens, but I liked it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's said. great. I also have another scene where Feyre is practicing flying with wings because she's also a shape changer because she's perfect and beautiful and yeah. has all the stuff. Um and Reese is giving her a massage, and like I was like, God, that sounds really, <laughs> yeah. really good. And then he like starts like massaging her like around her back around the wings, and then he just like starts going down on her, and then like he makes her come by stroking her wings. I was like,
1: Yeah, yeah, that was another great one. Yeah, sexy a scenes, one. sexy it's scenes, a sexy book, it's a sexy book. You don't get that in Lord of the Rings. You really don't. No. Mm-mm.
0: Nothing like it.
1: So we talked about a lot of weird stuff, but what was your? We talked a lot. Of what was your weirdest stuff. part? Like your little like nugget. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be deep, but maybe it is deep.
0: I hate. Oh my god. And it only got worse, not better. They're
1: called
0: males and females.
1: Oh my god. She corrects herself at one point when she calls Reese a man
0: yep and she's like male i was like why why because we
1: are humans
0: (laughs) (laughs) why do we have this insistence
1: human erasure
0: it's so fucking weird and so gender essential I I, like, you know, it's like it's like if you can kind of ignore it, but like this book is so insistent where it's like I know it definitely happened in the other two where they because like it's not like this book introduced the concept of like the fae call themselves male and female only and, like, you're his female and he's your male. It's like,
1: ooh. And, like, every BFGF is a mate now, whereas, like, <laughs> yeah. in the beginning of the text, the idea of mate was actually complex and, like, not that important and just kind of, like, a weird thing that would happen that made everyone uncomfortable. And now it's like, oh yeah, they're mates.
0: <laughs> it was like, oh okay. every
1: single time.
0: Every single time. It's like this is why? Cause this is seems inconsistent from the
1: first story, but okay. Yeah. I guess Elaine stays complicating that because she refuses to be with Lucian, but yeah. But I also feel like
0: I like I know that like something's going to happen there. So
1: It is remarkably gender essentialist.
0: It's so intense and it's so it's so insistent.
1: I mean, I think these books like the sci-fi romance and the fantasy romance are really where essentialism comes to like either be truly broken and the actual pleasure of what romance is can shine or it's fully bound and gagged and just like. The idea that, you know, you have these creatures who have a physical form that's different than human beings and live for centuries, and yet have a male and female, a strict male and female dichotomy. Now, sometimes they're groovy orgy-wise, sure. They're not homophobes. (laughs) (laughs) they're not homophobes
0: but also like no one is also homosexual except for like one person in this very strange reveal
1: which yeah which is like i'm sure meant to like i don't know i don't know see her as not a threat to nesta and cassian i guess um so that's also weird where it's like it's not
0: it's like it's like i'm not homophobic i know gays and it's like (laughs) I'm not sure that that's how that works. Uh, in fact,
1: know. so much do I value the gays that I've made one of the big ones gay.
0: <laughs> Look at this gay one.
1: And I like her.
0: <laughs> she can never be happy and her whole family's homophobic. Um, so that's <laughs> and We fun. also
1: have to make her the k- k- curvy one. <laughs> Right? So there's, like,
0: those things, which feels fucking weird to me. And then also, not only is it, like, so gender essential, but it's also, like, these are beings that live forever, have unquestioning insane powers, they turn into animals, they can keep their claws, they also have, like, sun and moon pow- like, tons of powers. And they're not only gender essential, but they also have a strict gender hierarchy, because Feyre, perfect Feyre is the high lady, and she's the first high lady that there's ever been because you can only have high lords, not high ladies, and there's no equality between the sexes, except in the night court because it's Santa Fe.
1: Yeah. And then this one lady is like, why can't I be high lady? And everyone's like, you go, girlfriend.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's like when they're like, oh, he made you high lady. You always love spitting on tradition. And that's just another way to like Reese. And it's just like, why? Why?
1: Why? I mean, like, it's part of the world building. It's just like. What a weird one. What a weird one. So mine's kind of similar to that. It's about race. (laughs) And how, like, okay, in a fantasy. So our concept of race is mostly socially constructed. There are physical differences between people, but we assign meaning to it based on racism. So the way race gets treated in fantasy is very interesting, especially in our era when people are are very conscientious, which is, I you know, I think it's better to be conscientious than ignorant, for sure. But there's this, like, upon my second pass through this series, there is a lot of stuff that feels racist, and, like, it feels like... A conscious effort was made to be inclusive. But how do you talk about race without talking about race as you conceptualize it? And so I'm thinking sp- specifically about like the original night court costumes. I think she even says harem pants in the second book. Then we talk about Amron and how Amrin looks. But then we get confirmation when we meet this tinkerer Who she goes out of her way, like in fantasy novels, when they refuse to say birthday, she refuses, perhaps correctly to say Asian, but then like goes out of her way to give really, once again, like essentialist Asian features and put this character through an encounter that's associated with being a person of color, where one of the bad high lords is like, "Where are you from?" And she's like, "Here." And he's like, "Where are you actually from?" And she's like, "My parents were from," and I can't remember the name of the town, but in the audiobook, <laughs> it's pronounced and it sounds very Mandarin. Yeah, like Jin. She- yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then she says when she sees the tinkerer, like, mm-hmm. while Amryn has different colored eyes, I think it's clear that she modeled her human form off of this phase bloodline. And it's just like saying the phrase bloodline when you're about to do what she's about to do is very disturbing. I think in general fantasy, you know, uh, white people writing about people of color... And trying to be inclusive is a noble pursuit, but is can often show your whole ass, you know. <laughs> There's lots of much more interesting, much more nuanced conversation around race in the Massiverse than I just provided you with. But it is something that I pursued after getting a really weird feeling <laughs> on my second perusal. And I think maybe we gestured at it in our previous discussions, but I just want to pinpoint it and say like for sure this book is doing weird stuff with race and sexuality it's trying to be progressive but remains trapped (laughs) remains trapped remains trapped also the winnowing sound sounds like a little fart and i think that's weird why does it even have to have a sound i thought it would be like you know yeah if it had a sound it would be like no it's Oh, I've played it for you before, but it- yeah. it's
0: weird. It's weird.
1: <laughs> it's like the Jetson's car backfiring. <laughs> <It's fucking weird.
0: laughs> so you've read the whole series. Yeah. You said that this is your least favorite
1: in the series. Yeah. Is it a romance? No. I would say this is a no romance. I would tell people uh, you can skip this one. It's a romance
0: for me. It's sexy enough. It does the things that I need it to do. doesn't do the war stuff great, but it does the romance stuff great. And as a series, honestly, the series is also a romance for me so far. So I'm like, if you're a completionist, don't skip this one, but it's a doorstop. So buyer beware.
1: Yeah. And only invest in the <laughs> graphic audios. You're a glutton for punishment, like me, because they. I re- I really think they kind of make the books worse. <laughs> Good to know. Um. With that, anything else you want to say <laughs> before we wrap it up?
0: Boy, I think we covered it.
1: All right. Well, with that, loosen your stays,
0: but never your principles. Mm-hmm. Mwah!
1: Woli guacamole, everyone! Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance. Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan. And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N.
0: Original music by Nick Gravlin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonsack. They're the best.
1: womancemail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Romance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time.